I think this is a crucial time for choice because we have seen the agendas of public school unions and how in reality, in many places, the priority was not the students and their well-being, but rather was their views, their agendas, whatever it is. That's Bishop Thomas Daly of the Diocese of Spokane, Washington, and the chair of the USCCB's Committee on Catholic Education. We're going to be speaking with Bishop Daly in a few moments. Welcome to Religious Freedom Matters. I'm Andrea Pachati Bayer, director of the Conscience Project, and I'm joined by senior editor at the National Catholic Register, Joan Desmond. Welcome, Joan. Hey, Andrea. Great to be with you. Now, Joan and I are really excited about this third season of Religious Freedom Matters, and our five-episode series will focus on an issue that's really gaining some traction today, school choice. School choice is a blanket term, allowing public education funds to follow students to the schools or services that best fit their needs. Many states already have school choice options in the form of school vouchers, tax credit scholarships, individual tax credits and deductions, or education savings accounts. These options are great, but they're sadly not available in all states and not accessible to all families. Our guests include school choice advocates from church leadership, Catholic nonprofits, and those who have worked as public servants at local, state, and the federal level. Now, Joan, you've been watching the education beat for a while. What's your sense of the trends that are happening across the country when it comes to school choice? I think what's really interesting right now, Andrea, is that on the one hand, we spoke in our previous season about how public schools have faltered during this period. There are issues related to mask mandates and vaccine issues. There are um, critical race theory, gender ideology, uh, a sense that parents don't have respect for their rights in the public school sphere. The Catholic system has another set of issues. There's affordability problems. As we all know, the model of, of the traditional religious orders, uh, managing schools going back to, you know, the 1800s has faltered as well. And it, that has been going on for decades, as we all know, uh, since the departure of many religious orders. Education for Catholics costs more. If you want to go to a parochial school, let alone a private independent school, it costs more. How do families pay for that? Can families find a Catholic school that really fulfills the promise of, of evangelizing and catechizing the children, um, supporting the parents in their role as the primary educators, and then also providing a high quality education? And then there are additional issues that are so important for individual families, like a child who has Down syndrome. Is there a place for that child? Immigrant families coming into the system the Catholic schools were just an amazing opportunity in the past when struggling Irish families and Italian families and French families came came to Ellis Island and other places, and they encountered discrimination. The Catholic schools gradually were developed. They were there for them. It created enormous opportunities, but also reinforced their sense of community, their faith, and inculcated a whole new generation of Catholics, supported vocations, all those pieces. The question is now, how do we make that happen again? And with Catholic schools much less affordable than they were, that's probably the biggest challenge. Absolutely, Joan. And you know, I've got to say, I've got seven kids still at home, and I wake up in the middle of the night, often in a sweat, 
worrying, how am I going to make all this work? <laughs> you know, I've got some looming college uh, bills coming and financial aid that doesn't recognize that I'm sending the kids to private Catholic or Christian schools. And there's got to be a way to make this less of an anxiety issue for parents like me and for other parents and be able for that we can make that decision consistent with our faith to send our kids to Catholic schools, keep them there, even when times get tough, and get the support of our tax dollars to be able to make the right choice for our children. And there is, just like you mentioned, a lot of parents are trying to figure out, you know, I love my Catholic faith, but sometimes my Catholic school is failing me. How do we make sure that the choice isn't just public versus private, but really the best fit for our our children and building up our Catholic schools to be those beacons of light that it seems like education in America definitely needs. So I'm really excited that, that I was, both of us kind of came to this conclusion that school choice was the most important topic for our continuing series on religious freedom. And we really think that we're bringing up a, a lineup of guests that are going to be able to help us take a deeper dive into this. Um, this is something that's affecting families, our church as a whole, and really allows the church to kind of reestablish its place as uh, authority, both in education and on issues of, of moral formation and, and religious formation in our country. So this is really, really wonderful. For our first episode, we have been able to lock in who I think is one of the foremost experts among our church leaders today on the issues of education and religious freedom. And we're looking forward to for him coming on, um, Bishop Thomas Daly of the Diocese of Spokane and the current chairman of the USCCB's Committee on Education. I've known Bishop Daly for a long time. He's a fellow Californian uh, from the San Francisco area. And for him, education is key to bring in the next generation of Catholics, the next generation of, of priests in formation. He's so committed to it across the board. He's been a vocations director. He has been a school, uh, a high school teacher, as well as a high school, Catholic high school president. So he's really walked the walk. And I, you know, I'm excited to hear what he has to say, not only as the chairman of, of the USCCB Committee on Education at a really key inflection point with the pandemic having hit some Catholic schools hard, but also having brought in a new cohort of people, both Catholic and non-Catholic, that the school could ideally educate and evangelize. So it's a very cool time. It's also a challenging time. How does the school, these schools take advantage of school choice without losing their Catholic identity? And I think that will be a key piece along with just practical legislative goals of finding affordability. Joining us now is Bishop Thomas Daly of the Diocese of Spokane, Washington. Bishop Daly has been involved in education for most of his time as a priest and bishop and is the new chairman of the U.S. Catholic Conference of Bishops Committee on Catholic Education. The committee guides the educational mission of the church in the United States in all institutional settings, including Catholic elementary and secondary schools, Catholic colleges and universities, and college campus ministry. It also advocates for public policies and education that are consistent with Catholic values and that uphold parental rights and responsibilities regarding education. Welcome to Religious Freedom Matters, Bishop Daly. Thank you. 
Hi, Bishop Daly. Great to Hello, see John. you. Let's get going. Um, Bishop Daly, when I thought about our interview today, one of the most painful stories I wrote about last year was about Catholic parents fighting to keep their children's Catholic school open after the pandemic hit enrollment numbers. Now, we're all justly proud that many of our schools stayed open during the, the lockdown and that public students came to our schools as well when their own were shuttered. But what about the Catholic families who had to pull their children from school because they couldn't afford the tuition? What have we learned from this experience and how can we get those families back? That's a very good question, Joan. There's not one easy answer, but one of the, um, one of the things that became clear during that time that uh, there were Catholic schools that were financially, for sake of another word, fragile. And with the shutdown in churches and people not being able to go to mass and then online and people being uh, laid off, there are a number of issues that affected the ability to uh, sustain those parishes that were weak financially. So we did have schools close, especially in, in urban areas. I know in Boston, Los Angeles, among others, uh, suburban Baltimore. And that was tragic because uh, so many ways our Catholic schools are needed now more than ever, mainly because of the secularism that takes place in, in the public schools agenda that is contrary to what we hold and teach and what society believed to be important, sometimes not only an indifference, but a hostility. So for those families that did had to pull their kids out because of financial issues, I think that it, it's paramount for all the, the bishops and certainly the pastors who are priests to say that we have uh, an obligation as shepherds to guide and to protect our Catholic school communities, especially to help parents raise their children in the faith. Now, in some of those urban areas, perhaps the enrollment might have been a major percentage of it might have been non-Catholic students and their families, but nonetheless, they are choosing our schools because we most of the time stand for something. So I think that those families that had to leave our schools because either financials or the school closed, this is a concern for the entire church, not just those parishes, but the entire church, the entire diocese. And I think ways of us to communicate to the wider community to say that our schools are a priority, we need as many of our kids in, in, in our schools as possible. So I would say the first and foremost is to call attention to the financial responsibilities the whole church has to providing Catholic education, not just those parents who had children in the school. And of course, it's a re-examination of our mission. What are we offering in those schools that draws people? How can we strengthen it? And how can we refine it? Bishop Daly, you give me a perfect segue. I am in a unique position. We live in the Diocese of Arlington, Virginia. And my parish school, I've got 10 kids, seven at home still, and my three youngest were in our parish school. And the numbers, the enrollment numbers were dwindling. It's a, an older parish and a community where a lot of people, like you mentioned, are being caught up in, in the secular movement and they're kind of falling away from their religious roots. The pandemic happened and their local public schools, whether they were going virtual or having really hard to follow pandemic protocols, caused many parents to look to our Catholic schools as have safe havens, additional options. And so our enrollment at the, the parish school went tripled, quadrupled. I mean, now we're bursting at the seams, but there's this issue that's lingering over there. And that's 
our catechesis. What advice do you have for these school administrators and for parish priests if their schools now have kind of a new surge of families that maybe are nominal Catholics or not even Catholics at all? Yeah. I think that's, in many ways, it's a beautiful challenge that we now have before us, these students who might not have thought of Catholic education before. And uh, to back up a little bit, for the Catholic people, uh, where weekly mass is is one of the precepts of the church and certainly one of the ways we, the most important way we honor uh, God, if a family doesn't think the mass is important each week, they're not going to think that their children's Catholic education warrants a sacrifice. So we have to be honest about that. But when we have those students before us, we very much have, I want to say, um, it's an obvious call to preach the gospel, to do so authentically, show how the faith can be lived. Also, to remind uh, certainly some pastors and a parent community that I've often had to talk to younger priests, some of them want a smaller church, a purer church, and I always say an easier church. The reality is we have a mission given to us by Christ to go out to all nations. And in front of us now, we have the children, but the children come to me. So we have to be very clear in our mission. It's not a time to compromise. And I've seen there's a lot of pressure. In fact, one of the issues is, as, as Bishop and chair of this, chairing this committee is we have to be honest. We have some Catholic schools that have lost their mission. Hopefully they can come back. But I'm not always so sure that that could happen. And that does greater harm than good. So for those who have students before us, we explain the faith, we live the faith, we do so teaching it with charity and compassion, but never compromising it because Christ is truth. And now, yes, it's going to be difficult, but I, many ways facing the, uh, the difficulties we have as a church, we look to the church following the French Revolution. So far, we're not being guillotined, but it's yeah. very difficult. So... I think to have those students before us and their families, we can do so much. How can you tell people who are surviving on fast foods that there's a banquet before us and the banquet is the good news of Jesus Christ? So I I know it's hard work and I know from my own experience being a teacher and the president of the school that had lost its way and many years later is, is a school that has generated vocations and conversions and it's in the middle and upper middle class suburban area of San Francisco. So my thought is, if you could survive there, you can survive anywhere. Amen. Bishop Daly, I'd love just to hear a, a couple of maybe one or two examples of like kind of critical moments in that process for you when you were president or, or even just a teacher sure. at Marin Catholic. Just what was sort of a moment of truth when you said to yourself, we're either going to go this way or we're going to go that way? And what happened as a result of that? John, that's a great question. I remember, I think, the beginning of my first year, second semester, Jim Tarantino was the president. He was sent in by the archbishop because the school had lost its way. The principal asked for guidance, and there were there were issues. There were ex-religious on the faculty, one reading tarot cards and clap, which I feel almost uh, no one will believe. But at one point, I remember at breakfast, Jim says, we're going to have to pray these people out the ones who weren't in the mission. And that began a monthly holy hour before the Blessed Sacrament and a rosary. And I believe that we were rewarded when a certain faculty member who was problematic left and we received that news at, on Holy Thursday. So that was kind of a moment 
where it was clear we had to do something. But it was a slow process and small victories along the way, keeping faithful to the mission. It was when I became president and great man, Don Ritchie, became the principal who had been a faculty member administrator back in the classroom. And then it was a matter of hiring. But it was very clear that when you teach the faith and do so with charity and great patience, because um, you can't come in with guns a blazing, but when it comes, what is crucial always and a decisive moment also, Joan, is who do you hire? First, who's the administration? They have to be believers and they have to be committed to the faith and then who you hire. And some of the best teachers may not have been Catholic, but they faithfully respected the mission. Some of the worst were the ones who claimed to be Catholic and did everything to undermine the mission. And this was a unionized diocesan school, as, as John may know, the four archdiocesan high schools in, in San Francisco Archdiocese. So I think it was prayer, fidelity, commitment. And I have to say, relating to the kids, you have to have a sense of humor and you have to have a lot of patience. Bishop, I imagine you're going to be taking all of that with you to the committee uh, in your chairmanship position on it. And and you're absolutely right. I mean, cleaning our own house, getting our house in order and really being on mission so that we are not just Catholic in name, but what we're doing and everyone is committed to that. I'm wondering in your priorities for the Committee on Education, we've also got this moment in time where school choice is something that parents, Catholic and non-Catholic, are starting to wake up to. Where does school choice fit into what you think is going to be your mission on the committee? And tell us a little bit about what you think, that's how that's going to play out. Yeah, there's, we're fortunate on the, um, to, I'm very fortunate to work with Mary Pat Donahue, who um, is executive director, and she is tremendous with, with a great experience, a woman of strong faith and common similarities in our conversations. But I think this is a crucial time for choice because we have seen the agendas of public school unions and how in reality, in many places, the priority was not the students and their well-being, but rather was their views, their agendas, whatever it is. So, you know, choice is a word thrown all around, but it's, it's, it's selective in its application. Well, one of the most important areas of choice, in addition to choosing life for the unborn, is to choose the well-being of young people, students. And so in various states where this has moved forward, it allows that opportunity for parents to decide. And I think back of those period of time, perhaps strongly in the 80s and in the 90s, when in urban areas, in the Black community, there was a decision made, a choice to have their sons and daughters go to Catholic schools, though they may not have been Catholic, because they realized the inadequacies of the public schools. And the fact, I mean, from the very beginning, Catholic education, we're in this not just for that kid sitting in the pew or the desk. We're in it because we're created in God's image and likeness, and we have a mission, and the mission is truth, and the mission is of God. And the opportunities that families had because they chose a Catholic school, that kind of faltered a bit as maybe the option came from charter schools, et cetera. But I think movements are afoot in the, in the nation, and there's been success. And uh, here in Washington state, which is not a religious state by any means, there is a movement to push for choice. And we're going to have a great deal of opposition. But um, 
choice is not something that is selective. It has to be based on truth. And I think the reality is we have a track record of excellence in education. We just don't have one aspect of it, but rather it is truly holistic. And spirituality and imparting on them a dignity of the human person, you can't do that any other place than, than a Catholic school. And so we do have this time. It's not a time to be fearful. It is a time to forge. And we have to be, when we're dealing with these government issues, we do have to be as, as gentle as a dove and as, as clever as a serpent, as Jesus said, because we, we will be outmaneuvered by people whose agenda is not truly the well-being of young people. We're about the salvation of souls. I always say, you know, at Marin Catholic, my line was, uh, our job ultimately, our mission is to get your sons and daughters into heaven. But before that, we better get them into a good college. And it's sure that you can do both. Bishop Daly, I think you're kind of hitting on a key issue, too. I sense both excitement about school choice and tension about how it might entangle Catholic education in government in, in ways that could be coercive or subtly manipulative, as the case may be. So what are some guiding principles, do you think, as as the church engages and as you, I'm sure, work with your fellow bishops and diocesan school administrators to try to engage this movement, find alliances, you know, forge, forge groups to, to move forward in, you know, specific communities where you see traction, but also set very clear guidelines for what you want. Exactly. I think um, what we have to be first and foremost, we cannot have our mission compromise. And you see this at times with the pressures on Catholic healthcare, Catholic social services, where that ends up dictating and compromising the mission. So we have to be clear, this is who we are, this is what we're about. And the track record of Catholic school graduates being active and contributing members of society, I mean, it goes back to the first foundations of our schools here in the country. So it's not like we're trying to set up a parallel existence. We're very much integrated, but there's certain things that we cannot compromise. So if it looks like the condition of school choice will mean that we have to compromise our very essential mission, that we can't do it. But I think it's possible. Just look to some states. I think Indiana is one of them, where you can provide what is still faithful to our mission and yet provide that education that, that parents and young people need. Now, Bishop, I don't want you to throw anyone under the bus, but I am going to ask most of the time when we think about education policy, we really do look at it on the ground level, local, state, although there are some things that are national. What's your sense of your fellow bishops and um, their pastors and priests, school administrators? How attuned are they to the notion of, one, staying on mission in Catholic education, and two, really promoting and advocating for school choice at their state level with you know their different legislators and administrators. How open do you think folks are these days? I think most bishops are very open. They know that schools are an essential aspect of uh, the gospel, proclaiming the gospel. I think there's going to be, among certain bishops, a reluctance to do anything with the government, because the belief is we shouldn't do it, or maybe there's a fear that it will cause us to, to lose our sense of purpose or mission. But I think we're looking for, I would think that most bishops are looking for 
strong leadership to help them navigate this. And that's why state conferences are so important mm -hmm. where you have professionals who know how to navigate this. Myself, I'm somewhat weary of dealing with, with elected officials because I come from California where there are officials who proclaim to be Catholic and yet hold views and advocate for views and push views that are completely contrary to the gospel. I am not one of those bishops who likes cozying up to politicians. But on the other hand, I'm not one of those ones who ignores good, faith-filled lay women and men who've been elected and who are balancing in a pluralistic society their own strong commitment to their faith and how they can serve the wider society based upon their faith. This whole privatization. And I think, you know, we have to be very careful. There are those who only want to talk about freedom of worship. No, it's freedom of religion. They're two different things. And the freedom of religion is far larger. So I think most bishops are supportive, but they're looking for those who have the ability to lead in that area and then follow. Yeah, very good. I think that's so critical to have those two pieces working together. School choice isn't just about affordability. It's also about making sure the needs of students can be met. I think one issue I know friends who have children with special needs have been frustrated to find a Catholic school where their needs can be met um, or ESL, ESL students, you know, can get assistance they need with with early English immersion, those kinds of issues. Um, how can the how can the church help on this? How can we have our schools find the resources so that they can be open to these children? I think that's a great question, especially students with learning challenges. My hope would be, uh, depending upon the size of the diocese, um, that there would be one grammar school that could focus on helping young people with with a spectrum of learning challenges. You can't have every parish offer that. But if there could be some type of regional school, because I know every parent wants what's best for their son and daughter. And unfortunately, I know from experience, one of my own uh, nephews, who is now in a Catholic high school, but he had some learning issues early on and went to a public school, but uh, while all his cousins were in Catholic grade school. So there's definitely a need, what can we do and we, we should offer it. We should find ways. And there is a cost, you know, I'm questioning, but, but, you know, sacrifices have to be made. And, you know, I often say Catholic education should require a sacrifice. It should not put parents into the poorhouse, especially for the elementary school. So that's one area. And then, it, you know, the English is a second language, especially in the areas. I know that there's a friend of mine, Sister Julie, is a daughter of charity. She had been the visitatrix of the West. Joan may, may know the daughters because they're provincial. It mm -hmm. is in <clears throat> Los Altos Hills. And um, sister went down to Phoenix to be principal of the grade school <clears throat> that had declining enrollment. One of the first things she did was learn enough Spanish to meet with the parents and say, this, this school is absolutely essential for your children. And through that, she really helped build back that community by offering having the children, you know, they, they know English, they need to, to know English, but to, to help the parents see that this is so important to them. So there is, you can, we can't do everything, but I think at least we can have certain schools focus. And um, it would be great in a region to have a school for children with many learning issues. And then 
especially in <clears throat> immigrant communities? Can we find a way to, to bring those students in? Because I believe they get lost in the public schools. No, Bishop, you're absolutely right on, on both issues. I want to just share an anecdote. One of my closest friends, they have three beautiful little blonde girls, and their youngest daughter, Anna Maria, has Downs. Um, she's five years old, and our the two older girls go to the local parish school, and, and they were hoping that they could have their daughter, Anna Maria, for a couple days. And the school, um, the teachers were willing but the school felt like they were hitting a block. They just were hitting a wall. They didn't know how they could provide the resources. Turns out a, a, a parish down the street had several resource teachers on staff already. It's a larger school. And although this was going to be their first down student, they were open to it and they were working with the parents. The parents are still struggling because there's such a disconnect Um comparing what their public school can offer their daughter and what the, the local Catholic school can, can offer. But it was just that opening, that welcoming. Um, it was so consistent with our movement as a church to defend the cause of life, especially to recognize the, the dignity of each one of these beautiful students that are coming in. And there has been, at least in our diocese, an outreach to parents of special need kids what do you need and how can we try to meet those those needs so that the parents who are really facing a hostile world feel like the church is a place where they're ready to partner with and offer them that loving embrace? Yeah, I, I, I would think that, uh, again, not every school, <clears throat> parish school can, can offer that. And that's why the larger schools <clears throat> with greater resources should be able to offer to provide for that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, many thanks, uh, Bishop Thomas Daly of the Diocese of Spokane, Washington, and in, in chair of the USCCB Committee on Education. To learn more about the work of the committee, check out the USCCB website at usccb.org. There are tons of resources about the vital role of our Catholic schools in strengthening the church, families, and society. And thank you for joining us for our first episode in the Religious Freedom Matters School Choice series. On our next episode, Sean Peterson, president of Catholic Education Partners, will join Joan and me to look at what more can be done to press for school choice initiatives and how school choice is a crucial part of religious freedom and reinvigorating our Catholic schools and our church. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you, Bishop Daly. You. I'm Andrea Pachati Bayer, Director of the Conscience Project with Joan Desmond, Senior Editor at the National Catholic Register. You can check out all of our Religious Freedom Matters podcasts at the website of the Conscience Project. That's conscience-project.org and the Register's website. That's ncregister.com.